The church is changing. Not just unison. Honestly, like some of you have felt this and it's been hard to articulate this a bit. But I've been articulating it as ooze (laughs) because that feels good to me. And we also watched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so ooze just felt right. (laughs) Um, But this lime green kind of sludge that you don't know exactly what it is. And I've been likening that lime green sludge to what the caterpillar turns into when it goes into a cocoon, right? So if you remember from your biology class, if you didn't know, I get to tell you now that when a caterpillar goes into its chrysalis, uh, AKA cocoon, it completely disintegrates. Like it turns into soup, which I literally cannot figure out. Like, that's another reason to say great are your Lord. Like, I don't even get it. Like, it just turns into sludge and then out of the sludge becomes a butterfly. And I feel like unison, we've been sludge for about three months Some of you have felt it. It's like, uh, what are we supposed to be doing now? (laughs) What is this? Who are we? Um, I'd say the church in the United States has been feeling sludge since early 2020. Right? It's okay. It's just that's, listen, this is a heart talk. So that anxiousness that you feel about what's happening with the church, it's not just you. There have been several thousands of humans who have stopped attending or participating with church. But even after kind of things kind of got back to quote unquote normal for, uh, after COVID, people are moving churches Not in a negative way. I don't say that negatively. I think that's kind of what sludge is. I think that's what ooze is when there's transition. It was a big change because it wasn't just a pandemic that did it. It was also how the church was behaving, what was happening in our local congregations, arguments about things that we really shouldn't be arguing about. It was like, oh, those are the real colors. Ah. This whole time, I thought we were purple. And we've been green the whole time. I just didn't know. (laughs) Now I know. I got to go find something that's purple. Even when we kind of came back, unison, when we kind of came back into regularly gathering, we also had a little bit of a merge. I won't say a little bit, a lot of bit of a merge. It was... Tribes Church became a part of Unison. We didn't feel the numeric shift that a lot of churches felt because two congregations became one. But we also had to have a moment where we acknowledged, look around the room. There's people who were here two years ago that are not anymore. And we've all been wrestling with how do we navigate what this is? 
What are we turning into? That's kind of what this is about, is being in that sludge. And I feel like unison is like, it's just helped me, honestly, to think about us transitioning from caterpillar to butterfly. Um, But I've imagined us like moment by moment, like the little, the bottom of the butterfly kind of coming together, but the top still being like jello. I feel like more and more we're closer to the head being solidified, but it's still very, very like messy and slippery and hasn't quite broken out of the chrysalis. Knowing who we are and what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be doing it, because let's be real, the world around us has also changed. And I think that it feels good to people to not acknowledge that change because then we can just do this. So we're just going to keep on doing what we were doing and we're just going to like, yeah, that feel, it still feels good to us. All the while, it doesn't actually feel good. We're lying to ourselves. And there's some things that I feel like the Holy Spirit has had some grace for in the last few decades that that's not actually going to happen in the next few. I just, I honestly, I do. And so I, as a church family, it's important that we kind of go there. I couldn't figure out anything other than Sunday Plus. And it just felt good to use Disney Plus's logo. So <laughs> let's start here. What is church? Why do we do this? And for some of us, this feels very, very elementary and basic. And for some of us, no one has actually articulated this at all. It's just something that our family did. Like when you think about it for yourself, some of you have been walking with the Lord, like you've been a part of the church for 50, 60, 70, 80 years. But you may not have actually ever even asked yourself, why do we do this? Some of you are new to faith and you like, this is just what they do. So like we go, we stand up, we sing some songs, we read out of the book, we pray and then we bounce. <laughs> Why do we do this? And, and so I've made like when we launched Unison, it was incredibly important to us that we launched with language that made sense. So we don't call like this building the church. We're the church, right? You, me, everybody in here, we're the church. People online, y'all the church. (laughs) But this event of gathering, we call it gathered worship. Because you can worship, and I encourage you to, you should be worshiping, period. Look, no other disclaimer. You should be worshiping. (laughs) Wake up in the morning, you should be worshiping. That doesn't look like singing. We already did that sermon. We'll talk about it later another time. But. There's gathering, the gathering of God's people for worship is a unique thing that most of us just say, church, we're going to church. Why do we do this? That's evolved throughout the church's life. Since Jesus went back up to heaven and said, go and spread this news, that's been evolving. It's evolving again. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, 
But I think actually more importantly is not just why do we do this, how does unison do church? Because we talk about this as a household. The family of God has many, many households spread out all over this world. This is one of them. This is one household. So how do we do this? Why do we do this and how do we do this is important because some of you have already like expressed in stories and testimonies like it feels different. There's something different about it. And a part of that is articulating that today, but then also kind of talk about how that's changing as well. I want to go all the way back to the beginning. This is not kind of our like primary area of text, but um, it's in Acts chapter two. So Holy Spirit's come, apostles, they out preaching and people are coming to the Lord and there's thousands of people like it's just happening. Like people are getting saved. And then toward the end of Acts chapter two, it says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper, which we got to do today, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That was like the first church. That's the first century church. Like that they're still talking about the apostles. When they say the apostles, they're talking about Peter and James and John and all of them, those people that were hanging out with Jesus when Jesus was walking on the earth and doing miracles and all of that stuff. Those individuals became the apostles, and those apostles are the ones that are, are they're talking about in this. And the beginning of the church looked like that. All the believers getting together, they were getting together daily. And they sold all their stuff. And, and the money was given to those in need. I want to make sure that you know that's not what I'm about to say we're doing. <laughs> that, feel, that will feel a lot more like this picture than I want us to feel. I don't, I don't want us to be like a little hippie cult. Like, <laughs> like spinning around outside <laughs> in the wilderness. Like, I'm not telling you to sell all your things. <laughs> and so that week, but I think it's an important thing for us to see what the first church looked like. Not because I want us to, to mirror everything that's there. There should be elements. God hasn't changed. <laughs> God's expectation or desire for us in our relationship with one another and to God hasn't changed either. But how we live that out evolves over time. 
throughout the evolution, I would say specifically as the people in this room and online have been alive, church has meant some very different things. And I think it's important that we acknowledge them. One of them is social status. Don't, so see, if you've been in the church for, for, for a while, you know being at some churches were better than being at others. I mean, that... Like, there was a time when I was a teenager, there was a specific, I won't name the church. But let me tell you, if you said you went to that church and that choir, yeah, that choir, you, you in the choir too? Oh, man, it was like, this is where all the worship leaders are born. Like, and they blossom out of here and they spread throughout all the Grand Rapids. <laughs> I was in a meeting just this past Friday and there, there was a person in the meeting and they were talking about how Grand Rapids for a particular denomination had the, um, the nickname Jerusalem because for that particular denomination, this was like the center of it all. And being in a church in Jerusalem for that denomination was a really big deal to the point where other churches felt very, very slighted. It's about it has been about social status and membership. I mean, there's some churches, your membership is like a whole semester, your class to get to become a part of that church. Every Wednesday night for the next 12 weeks, you got to be here. <laughs> There's a lot of great that came out of that. But in many ways, that has been a part of what church has meant for people in the last few decades. Let's talk about something else, too. We're a multi-ethnic church. Hey, so we're candid about this. If it's your first time here, we don't sugarcoat that. <laughs> I'm black. So... <laughs> and Mama Kim says she's not. Okay, all right. <laughs> For many ethnic minorities, a part of why we've had black church and Hispanic church and Asian church has been because we weren't allowed in white church, and even after a time when we were quote unquote allowed, it was the only place that I could go and just be honored as a man. I wasn't called a boy. I wasn't treated like a second class citizen. So it was one day out of the week where I experienced the honor of what it is to be human. And we shared that. And so it was valuable for, for us to be with each other in that place. That has been a part of what church has been, particularly in American history during like civil rights movement, stuff like that. Like, like much of civil rights movement was led by like black churches doing a, like pushing that thing. But a part of that is because we also shared a common pain and joy and vision and being together was a place of honor. And like the late, like the mid 80s, kind of going into the 90s, some of you are like, look, Brenda's like, yep. 
seeker-friendly church. It's smoke, really, really cool lights. It was like, don't, don't talk about hell. Don't talk a lot about sin. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. All right, y'all have a great week. Right? Like it's, <laughs> but a part of it was because the, in, the intent was invite your friends who don't know Jesus to the Jesus party and it's going to be great. So if they come here and it's fire and brimstone and they, they walk out leaving like garbage, they will not want to come back. Right? Seeker friendly was, I think, the moment in which the church became also very consumeristic. So the, there was good. We desire for people who, do, who are far from Christ to know Christ and experience Christ. But also, let's be real. Find the place that, that you really, really like to. Is that music great? Is that preaching great? Is their children's ministry on par? You kind of walk in with a white glove. You do. Checking for dust, like, mm, nope, their coffee was 104 degrees. I'm going to another church. <laughs> and that's something that many of us were stung by. just kind of a part of what it is for us to be honest right now is that many that the truth is over the last two decades there has been far less new people coming to church and more church goers just hopping to a church that they feel like they can get something out of and that actually was birthed out of a fun good thing a good thing we want to see people come to Christ but we also didn't really back that up with maturing as believers too. We didn't back that up that way. And I feel like a part of the sludge that we're in is that the Holy Spirit is like, none of those things I'm interested in as we move forward. I'm not interested in any of them moving forward. I know that there are elements of that that were good. But that's not what I want moving forward. That social status thing, I didn't want that from the beginning. But I was willing to tolerate it because I love you and I want to be with you. But I'm not interested in you two, y'all getting together so that you feel good about yourselves while all the while diminishing other people. I never wanted that from the beginning. I actually wrote scriptures about that. I don't want that. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. So a part of this sludge is I don't want that anymore. <laughs> that needs to be gone. And increasingly, if that's what your church looks like, if that's what your fellowship looks like, it will become increasingly clear that I'm not there. I know that it was good for your ethnic groups to need a place of honor and belonging. And as good as that was, it has always been my intent that my children, regardless of what they look, smell, and eat like, 
they're together. So even that good, I'm trading for something, I, something that I actually want. I want your unity more than I want you feeling honored. Which means a lot for all of us. It's a big thing. It's a different kind of thing for all of us. You thought that your programming and that your music and that your lights and that your fog machines and that you being soft on how you preach and you making sure that children's programming was great and you doing all those things was going to actually make people become disciples. And yes, they attended your churches, but they don't actually know me any more than they did the first time they came in here. And all you've taught them is that they can treat church like a grocery store. Do they have what I need today? No, then I'm going somewhere else. This is not stalking the shelves kind of situation. I really feel like the Holy Spirit is like, I've had some grace for that because I care about you. I love you. But because I care about you and because I love you and because I also love the people who don't know me, that has to go. I'm not interested in that anymore. The church is evolving, family. Told you it's more of a church. This is not how it is normally. This is way more of a heart talk than it is anything else. We're going to get to Hebrews in a moment. But I really, really feel like this is something that the Spirit's been saying for a while. And we haven't been able to articulate and put it into words, so we've not been living it out. So for the last three years, the Big C Church has just kind of been like floundering. And those of us who really do want to live and have a church that looks like Scripture are sludgy. Because we have an expectation that it's supposed to be this. And the Spirit is like, I want it to be that. I've actually always wanted that. And now I'm kind of like, yeah, we're going for that now or nothing. And that's okay if you choose nothing. But I'm kind of not doing the things in between anymore. And the longer you walk with Christ, for those of you who are new to that, for the longer you walk with Christ, you notice that that happens in our personal lives too. Right. Like those of us who've been walking with the Lord for a while, like, oh, yeah, I remember when he did that with me. <laughs> Both times. <laughs> some of was like all three times. Right? Where it's, it's like you, you 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 get to a wall. And it's like. I'm not interested in that anymore. And it's not out of frustration or anger, but it really is out of love. There is a moment in which the Father's love for us will not tolerate things that are no longer of his character. Not because we don't have choice. It's to say, choose. Because this whole lukewarm, middle-of-the-road thing, I'm not interested in that anymore. I spit that kind of coffee out. (laughs) Okay. There isn't a portion of scripture that prescribes how the church is supposed to actually look. So I can't tell you 
We're going to go to Hebrews. It's going to tell us exactly how it's supposed to look. Nope. I think that's on purpose. I believe that we're supposed to have such an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit that we can ask what it's supposed to look like today. (laughs) And we're also supposed to have an intimate enough relationship with our neighbors that we can say how it looked last week isn't working. (laughs) Holy Spirit, help us shift. So there are a few little things, though, in Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. That's kind of like it's just three verses. Let's hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. You're like, what does that have to do with church? We. I need to acknowledge one thing. You do not need human beings. I'm going to say this. You don't need human beings to be in relationship with God. a weird thing but it's true there's lots of monks that have relationship with God and there are times in which even in scripture there are people who God sends into the wilderness for 40 days like yeah I don't want you relating to nobody go be with just me and you that's all I'm interested you me and cacti that's all I want but Just because that's true that you don't need it doesn't actually mean that that is sustainable for when life turns into trash. (laughs) A part of why monks can do it is because they just because they live the most simple life period. (laughs) They literally don't need anybody else. It's like whatever food I see in front of me is what I'm going to eat. And Jesus. (laughs) But if you're going to actually have a life that involves complexities like driving or or owning a home or having a family or trying to have a family or navigating singleness or having parents that are aging or anything else that most humans in our context have to figure out, you ain't going to do that alone. Because you won't actually be able to live this out. A part of why we get together, a part of why we have fellowship is not because it sounds better when people harmonize. It's because I need you to actually hold firmly to God's promises because sometimes God's promises take too long. Sometimes I don't even like what God is promising. Sometimes what God is offering me doesn't make me feel good. Sometimes living this out is way more complex than I want it to be. I want it to be simple, skipping through a field with Jesus, and it's not. It's way more like picking my legs up out of tar and mud, and it's slow, and it's hard, and it's complex, and I don't actually want to give that up. And you telling me to be humble, but I actually like my pride. And I'm not going to be able to hold on to anything God's promising me if I don't have a sister or a brother who says, yo, Chase, I know it's hard right now. Hold in there. Hang in there. I I remember that journey. I'm with you. 
I got this. We've got, you can do this. I'll pray with you. Text me when you feel tempted. That's what this is supposed to be. That's what this is supposed to be. We are not going to be able to do that for real. I'm telling you, you just will not be able to do that by yourself. And I don't care how intelligent you are. It's built that way. It's designed for you to need somebody else. Interdependence is built into the family of God. This picture is just to illustrate that. It's built into it. Part of why the, a part of why the followers of God sold all their stuff and were living together is because even though it's not my desire for us to create a commune, I do want us to know that we are responsible to one another. And not just in an ancillary kind of way. Your good is something I need to be concerned about and working for. And I need to be trusting that you're concerned about and working for my good too because that is a part of who we are as the church, not just unison, the church. And if you feel like you're supposed to be doing it all by yourself, then you've been bit by the independent USA culture bug that is not of God. I'm not saying that it doesn't work here. It works really well here in this country for you to run off by yourself and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But that's not how the culture of the kingdom of God functions. You need people. You need people. If we're going to actually be able to influence the world around us, you will not be able to do that alone. And it is our shared enemy's best tactic. It's not even a secret. We just keep falling for it. (laughs) Get you by yourself. Promise you something that was never meant for you to have. Tell you how everybody else is against you. And watch you squirm. Until you then say. The church and God aren't real. Because I tried and I still feel like trash. I'm telling you now that is Have any of us ever experienced that? That's, that is kind of how this works. It's the, it's the consistent pattern of how he works. But if we were to acknowledge our interdependence, then I can actually say, not easy, not easy. But I can actually say, I need you. Can you help me with this? 
And the moment that you feel like, oh, I can just go figure it out. I got it. I've been able to figure out a lot of things. Yes, you have. You have been able to figure out a lot of things. This is not diminishing your intelligence more for me to tell you that if you're going to actually live the way that God designed, it will involve humans who are also walking with him. The next verse. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That feels like that should be easy. And to those of you chuckling, know what? I got so many practices I got to send people to and games to get to and work in this meeting and that. And my leg is spasming. Thank you, those of you all were praying, by the way. There is something about our individual lives that makes it really difficult to see outside of our individual lives. Even sometimes the good going on in our life makes it difficult for me to see the good work piece that I could be doing. Life is overwhelming in 2023 in the United States of America in West Michigan. It's just overwhelming. I get way too many emails. <laughs> Just, and that, that's not like, I'm, that's not about y'all. That's about people randomly trying to sell me stuff. I don't want it. <laughs> I do not want it. No, I don't want to win a lifetime supply of Doritos. Like, stop sending me this. <laughs> I've been kind of like challenged. Like, it's like, oh, like, I felt like, in the last few years, like, you don't have to send me a communication about everything happening. Like, just let me be. There's emails, texts, messenger, like another red dot on my phone. Like, I just need it all to stop. But there is something about us gathering, something about us being together that pulls us out of that if, it, if we allow it to. And we get to say, yeah, I know that you're struggling with that, but times in my life when I've been struggling and in a rut, the best thing that I've ever experienced is when I start doing something that's good for somebody else, it kind of takes me out of that rhythm. People are saying yes because they know it's true. I know that some of us have never tried that because you're like, I'm already overwhelmed, so how can I do one more thing? Eh, it's just kind of how it works. It kind of is. And I'm not saying obligatorily do one more thing. It's this let us motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's a part of why we get together. It's a part of why we do this, because if you're trying to do it by yourself, you will be overwhelmed and overtaken by all the things going on in your world that you'll miss. That's a wor there's a world that actually needs the hope you have. And when you show up, when you show up, I'm not saying to everything, but when you show up, it invites you to put that down for a second and see that, oh, there's a world beyond this trouble. Oh, wait a minute. What he got going on is quite a bit more challenging than what I got going on. And not to compare our lives, but let me just pray real quick for you. 
But if you get stuck in your own thing, I'm not saying, fam, push, push, push until you can't push anymore. Hear my heart. That's not what I'm actually saying. But I am saying that many of us don't know that there is a truth to when I act out of love, I kind of get this boost spiritually. Not when I do because it's right. When I act out of love, I find that I have more energy than I thought I would. So this next picture is just that. Sometimes we honestly are trapped by our own thoughts. And the family of God allows you to not have that real for a moment. This last verse. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'm going to let that sit how it sits. I think some of us have heard that portion of scripture and we've in some ways used it as a way of really kind of stirring, trying to do that. Creation is still groaning in anticipation of the children of God being revealed. That's us. And there is something to us being together. Doing life together that communicates to a groaning world that there's something beyond this world. Because how is it that those people can still have peace when our world literally feels like it's falling apart? There was a time in my life where I didn't watch the news a lot, and then I watched it a lot, and then I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. But now I can't stop watching it. It's kind of like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> like, another one? Another war? Another one? Another shooting? Another, like, like medicine, like, you know, epidemic? Another one? Like, it's kind of like trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And there's been times in this week where I've honestly just found myself praying through the news. There are some people, their only window into connection with other people is the news. And that would be an incredibly challenging way to live. Their only connection to people is through social media, which let's be real. I don't care how much of a good tool it is. For all of us, not even just for teenagers, It's unhealthy for us to live our lives there. There's something about gathering with God's people that allows me to get out of that. So let's talk about Sunday. I want to see Sunday like this. I feel like Sunday morning is like, not everybody had this, but it's like like the family dinner. And not just your household. I'm talking cousins, aunties, uncles. Like, like, so in my family uh, growing up, we would, 
uh, when there was ever going to be like a family gathering for either a holiday or whatever, like people would bring certain things like, oh, I got the drinks because you always got the drinks. <laughs> like, I, I, like somebody's always hosting and I'll make, I'm bringing the cranberry sauce because you always bring the cranberry sauce. It's just the easiest part. Like, <laughs> but whatever, right? Like, there's a part of that that's kind of like, that's what family, that's how family functions. Like, there's some people who bring more, some people who bring less. Sometimes people don't bring anything at all. They just come, and they come eat, right? Especially that one that's, you know, the, either the children or teenagers and or people in college, they're like, just you being here is good enough. You need some gas money to get home, baby? Look. <laughs> right? Like, that's what, like, that's what, like, that, when I think about, like, family getting together, that's what I think about. And I also think about that as Sunday morning for us. There are some people who are, working in the middle of the week to make sure that this meal happens, right? It's not just that the sermon is the turkey and everything else is the fixings. No, there's just things going on. And there are some people who are, they come in and they're like, I, I wasn't able to do anything in the middle of the week, but I'm ready. I'm coming. I'm ready to pray. Like, you need prayer? You need prayer? Like, <laughs> like so they, I mean, they come in and they're ready to give whatever they got in the moment. And honestly, there's some people who are just doggone tired. <laughs> like, I made it here. You need some gas to get home, baby? Right? I grew up with a children's table, a kid's table. Yes, I mean, yeah, you know, you know, you know, and the most inappropriate jokes. <laughs> At the kids' table. But they just got to be with their cousins. They got to just be kids, and it didn't matter if they ate everything on their plate that day. Like, just like one day in the year where it's like, yeah, I don't really like that, so you don't have to eat it. <laughs> Because the adults are over there cackling, like, and laughing, and you're over here literally just going ham with cookies, and, <laughs> like, and somebody says, eat a vegetable, and then they go back to, like, I feel like that's what I want Sunday to feel like for us. It's more like that than us. We got to do this, and we got to do that, and we have to do this, and we got to make sure this happens, like, listen. Did the people come? Did the family show up? Did everybody leave fed? Were there people who, like, they brought something? Like, so I had this moment last night where, honestly, the Lord was really messing with me, specifically about this last night. And, like, I just imagine, like, that new girlfriend and that new boyfriend that comes in. And... <laughs> And, and everybody's looking like, oh, is that such and such as boyfriend? Oh, he's handsome. Like, <laughs> right? Like, just, just that free. Just that free. Free enough for us to be able to. Now, I get it. Not everybody's family functions the same way. Some of our functions, some of our family functions are just not, not fun. 
So the vision that I'd like to cast for our gatherings is that this looks like us coming together every single time that we're together, whether that means this on a Sunday or you're coming for a Tuesday salt or a Bible study on Thursday, or you come alive worship gathering, or a Tuesday prayer, or just meeting with somebody in the family room, did the people get together? Did they leave fed? Did we share with one another? Did we have a hard thing that we need to work through? Did we work through it? Where we did, we just celebrate. There's times where I don't get together with my whole family, but I just need to call my cousin and we just need to laugh for a minute. I want you to do that with each other. I feel like that's what this is supposed to be. I feel like it's supposed to be that you call somebody, like you are in this week-long text thread with somebody laughing about nothing of any consequence. Sending memes back and forth to somebody who you're a part of church family with. Because if it doesn't look like that, it's really easy for us to slip into social status. Do I feel honored today? Consumerism. Did I get what I needed? Some specifics at Unison. Membership. I told you about how does Unison do this. Um, consistently, we've operated with this as a kind of model. If it's simple to begin a relationship with Jesus, it wouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't be difficult to begin one with his church. I'm not saying that it's simple to walk out that relationship, and I ain't saying it's simple to walk out this one with his church either. But I am saying it shouldn't take you 12 weeks to be able to be a part of the family. It just shouldn't. So generally speaking, you say you want to be a part of this family, then you're part of this family. Welcome. (laughs) Right hand of fellowship. But we are because Unison is becoming a little bit more mature. Right. Like we do have to kind of like, all right, we do have to do some things a little more officially. Uh, So um, uh, we're in the process of working on this new to you gathering that would just happen every other month. It would be after a worship gathering um, just to give people a place to kind of understand who Unison is uh, and how we function, that kind of thing. The goal behind that being that we are basically providing a tool for people to understand how they can actually be engaged in this family. So that because one of the things that's also been true for us in our in our kind of ooze and sludge, we've also heard several times I don't know how to get plugged in here. I don't know how to get, I don't know how to like uh, everything. I just don't know how to do it. And, and it's hard. Hence our random name tag Sunday. <laughs> so that new, to you, that new to you thing will happen, uh, will be happening soon. But, but also don't want you to feel like, I want you to feel like that that girlfriend or that boyfriend coming to the family dinner for the first time. Yes, it's awkward. I get it. But also know that you're wanted there too. You're wanted here. Not because it adds to our numbers, but just because you're part of God's family. So come on here and get something to eat. 
Like, that's how that worked. I, honestly, come on in here and get something to eat. Yeah, we're going to ask you a lot of random questions. But come on in here and get something to eat. <laughs> Serving. Serving is the next thing. You don't have to be a member, but relationship does matter. Let's be real. This is not a sacred place. But honestly, you can't come in here week one and to be asked to be preaching. That's not a thing. Because everybody can't cook in this kitchen. I... <laughs> This family, right? Listen, there are pl- like I, there are rooms in my grandmother's house that I didn't get to walk into until after graduation. <laughs> like, it's like and there was plastic all over the place, <laughs> right? <laughs> Relationship matters. It does. Not, but it's not about you having to put in your time to serve. We want everybody to feel like they have a place. Kids, teens, you have a place to serve. And I'm not saying just to do more work, to give of the good that God has given you. You have a place to do that. Some of you play instruments. Some of you write. Some of you enjoy being with kids. Some of you draw. Some of you have, I mean, some of you are infinitely creative. Some of you are so good with numbers that you can put every single CPA to shame. (laughs) And we want you to feel like you have a place to do that. But let's be real. Most of you have been boxed out because that's something that's for the adults. And that's not what I want here. I don't believe that's what the spirit wants. You have something to bring of the good that God has given you. Last couple things, and then we'll we'll bounce. Giving. You are invited to generously share of what God has given generously. It's not a bill, and it's not a seed. I really, really feel like the spirit is I'm done with that. I'm done with y'all calling this a bill. Like you have to pay your tithes. No, you don't. And that's a hard thing because a lot of us have that, like that's been something that's important that's been drilled into us. This is not a bill. God invites you to generously share what he has generously given. It's not a seed because then it becomes transactional. When I put a seed in the ground, then I expect something to grow out of it. But that's not how this works. God's going to give whether or not you put a seed in the ground, period. However, it has always been a part of the culture of the kingdom of God that as we share generously, he gives generously because he knows that you're going to live out of this culture in the way that he's designed it. It's not a transaction. It's a culture. But so many of us have been taught to see this as a transaction. God did this for me, so I'm going to do this for him. Or I'm going to do this for God so he can do this for me. And I really feel like the Spirit is like, I'm really kind of done with that. I've never wanted that. Because then they get mad at me when they don't get the house that they asked for. Because somebody lied to them and told them that you're putting a seed in the ground. No. You're worshiping God. It's just who we are, period. It's who we are. It's what we do in this house, period. 
of us want the regiment to give this a certain amount. And if you want to do that, do it. But I don't, I don't believe that the spirit is interested in us thinking about it that way anymore. Yes. Last thing, it's more than Sunday. That's why I said Sunday plus. It's not just about programming. It's about us doing life together. Our first week that we launched it was this hashtag, you belong. Doing life together. You might not feel like this is true at this moment in your life, but at some point, you will need people for whom that you can say, those are my people. You may have a really good, healthy family, like, like biological family relationship, so you don't need extra sisters. And trust me, like I don't need not a male sister or brother. I'm good. We don't got to be that. Your church family doesn't have to be that. But at some point, at some point, you will be feeling very alone. And you need to be able to know in the back of your mind, you have a people. And that supersedes every single program we do. That goes beyond every single time we get together. If we have something going on here seven days a week, that's fine. But that is not what this is supposed to be about. All that does is reinforce the you have a people. It's just to reinforce it, just to support it. That's it. You have a people. I believe that's what God is doing with the church. I really do. And, it, and you felt it. You, some of you have felt it when you've been in other places where that's not happening. Increasingly, I do believe this. If this is not where the church is going, the spirit is like, Y'all can keep doing that, but people need a place to belong. Y'all can keep doing them great programs, but if you don't ever know their name when they walk in this room, that ain't me. You can keep on doing that service, but if they don't know that they can be, reach out to you when they're struggling, I'm not interested. What is the church? Is this. This is how I want Unison to do church. And that looks messy. It looks like us being vulnerable. It looks like us stepping on each other's toes and when we do, saying sorry. <clears throat> and if it doesn't look like that, if it doesn't look like that, it's not church. We pray. Father, Thank you that you care so much that you would reveal your heart, your will, your desires for us as a body of believers. Lord, we want to mirror what it is that you're doing. <clears throat> May our fellowship be built upon your values, your word, but also may our lives individually be built upon your word. May we grow together in that. Lord, bless your church. We need you more now than I think many of us have experienced Holy Spirit. We've always needed you, but we've not always acknowledged it. But the church, the big C church, how we are struggling. Will you guide us, direct us with your wisdom and with your power? 
We know that you are doing miraculous works and you're healing and restoring. We also want to experience unity, oneness, and relationship that mirrors 